This episode is sponsored by Voice123, the first online marketplace for voice actors with over 30,000 projects of all genres flowing through annually. It's a super useful tool for anyone who wants to take their storytelling to the next level. Got a creative project you'd like to bring to life? Download our free step-by-step guide at voice123.co slash in the envelope to successfully find the right voice for any of your projects. It can come from anyone. You just have to find it. Links are in the description below or on our website as well. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. people are just like, don't take it personal, you know? It's like, we goes so far because acting, it's your body, it's your emotions, it's your voice, it's all of these things. This is something actually that I feel like I've gotten over or found peace a little bit more with auditioning or even if I just don't get a job. So it does get better. <laughs> Welcome to In the Envelope, the actor's podcast. I am your host, Backstage Senior Editor, Vinny Mancuso. And joining me today is the truly, truly delightful Haley Lou Richardson. Now, Haley was ostensibly here to discuss her fantastic turn in the White Lotus Season 2, along with the world's very intense reaction to her character, Portia. And we did talk about that. We did get into all of that. Uh, But also, we mostly talked about anything and everything that came to mind. Uh, That includes the IMDb page for A Bug's Life, uh, the connection between dance and acting and movement, uh, her deep, deep creative connection with filmmaker Koganada, uh, who directed her in both Columbus and After Yang. Highly recommend both those films. Uh, She also revealed the most famous script she most regrets not taking a meeting for. Uh, That one surprised me and might surprise you as well. It is, to say the least, a wide-ranging episode. But it is all genuinely wonderful, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Let's get right into it. This is Haley Lou Richardson. How's it going? How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. I feel like there's a sense of hesitation there. Are you? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I just feel like that's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you should just say like, good, right? But are you know, are we? Is anyone? I mean, I'm glad, but I'm so glad you're here. We'll try and not the next 45 to 60 minutes as okay as possible. No, I'm really excited to do this and talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this came, this came together really quickly. Uh, I actually wasn't expecting to talk to you this week. And now here we are. Uh, and it's an absolute pleasure. Um, so what are you up to these days? What are we, what are we working on? What's, what's, what's the next thing? Um, 
wait, I'm just, okay, I'm, what am I up to? <laughs> I didn't mean to come out of the gate with these gigantic questions. <laughs> I know, they're, they're such simple, basic questions, but, you know, if you're going to be honest about the answer, am I good? I actually was watching A Bug's Life this morning. Very nice. That's a great film. Have you seen that one? I have. I was, um, you know, there was the great thing where it was A Bug's Life or Ants in theaters. Um, I think I went to go see Ants and didn't see Bug's Life till later in life. So I think it, I think Ants, that's, that was my bug movie as a child. Which one was Ants? Did I see Ants? Well, if you, if you saw Bug's Life, you might not have seen Ants. It was a whole, this was, this was a big moment for me as a kid. Um, it was like, which one do you go see? We chose Ants. I remember I saw Bug's Life in the theater, so. Now I think I'm getting them confused. Which one is A Bug's Life? A Bug's Life is the one where like, it's all the ants. Yeah. So that's why I'm confused. It's all the ants and they're like trying to get all the food for the evil grasshoppers. But the guy Flick has to like go and get this like these bugs to like fight off the grasshoppers. But then he gets these circus bugs and there's just great writing. The characters are very funny and witty. And who's Flick? Who is, who's the actor? I'm actually not sure. I feel like I should recognize the, the voice, but I'm bad. I'm, see, this isn't how I expected this to start, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find it later. Um, no, I'm now. I'm really cu- now. I'm really curious who Flick is. Should I look it up? I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. <laughs> He's got it. Jamie's on it. A Bug's Life. David Foley. Oh, okay. And who else we've gotten there? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we hit the same uh, thing. Example. Which one's Hayden Benatier? Julia Louise Dreyfus. Phyllis Diller. Oh, is she the queen? Oh, yeah, she's the queen. Yeah, that does make sense. Wow, neato. Cool. Well, this was fun. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, yeah, it was a great chat. Have a good rest. This of was day. this was a Bugs Life podcast. Um, but yeah, I I'm so happy to be talking to you because uh, this was a hell of a year for you. Uh, 2022 was, and we're very excited about what come next. What comes next? Um, but I just want to go back to. The beginning for you because this is the actors podcast and i do want to sort of get a sense of how you got here to this day watching a bug's life everything that came before so for you do you have a sort of um acting origin is there a, a performance or a film or something you saw where you you sort of recognized acting as something that you might want to do oh man well i've always been a little bit of a ham i always have at like any family gathering holiday gathering um, I was, you know, always like putting on a performance, whether it was like a play with my cousins or a dance performance at Christmas. Like I was always wanting and ready to do that. So I think it's always that kind of connection and to performing and to storytelling and stuff has always kind of been in me. But um, honestly, with acting, I did community theater and stuff growing up, but I was never really good at it <laughs> and never really successful with it. Like I always had um, very small, like one-liner roles in different plays that I did. But when like I grew up watching Disney Channel and I was watching like Lizzie McGuire and Hannah Montana and I was like, I could do that. I have that in me. I could do it. Um, and so I, I honestly think as kind of lame as that answer is <laughs> um i think that disney channel made me feel like i i saw myself in those 
actors and those characters. And I also saw, I was like, I could do that. Like, not only do I relate to these characters, but I feel like I could play them. Um, unfortunately, Disney Channel never hired me. <laughs> when I moved to LA and started acting when I was 16, all I wanted was to be a Disney star. And um, they never cast me. I don't think that's a, a lame answer at all. I think that as time goes on, that will probably be the more common answer because those those were those were the the, the those shows were formative <laughs> for a lot of people. They are. They truly are. And yeah, and they're really like relatable for kids. Watch, like you know, you. That's the hope, I guess, is that kids watching see themselves in these characters and feel like they have a friend and learn from them and all these things. So I did that plus some plus like. Being like, I could do that too. I could be the next Hannah Montana, except I'm tone deaf. So maybe that's why Disney never hired me. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the first actual leap into acting? Like you mentioned, you mentioned you did a few community theater things and stuff like that. Do you remember what your first taste of acting was? was on uh, That wasn't, you know, in a living room or, or on your own? Oh, man. Well, this is an interesting question. I I feel like because I grew up dancing and, you know, up until moving to L.A. and I actually like my first agent here was a dance agent and I was like doing dance work because um, I couldn't get any acting work at first. So like dance always kind of clicked for me and I had like, I guess, whatever kind of I, I was good at it from the beginning. So I know dance isn't acting, but like my first times performing dances like a solo dance that had an emotional story to tell like I think that was the first time I really felt that feeling of sharing something vulnerable like feelings that came from inside of me and connecting to a song and lyrics and movement in a story and like expressing that I think with dance was the first time I truly felt that feeling which I've actually never really thought of before but yeah I mean like the community theater I did when I was younger I wasn't really given the chance to like truly emote mm. a character arc because I was playing town crier number two <laughs> but um <laughs> and characters like that but like with with dance and like going out on stage for a full two and a half minutes and telling like a complete story to a song and just like giving everything that you have inside you to that that was the first time I really felt that that's really fascinating. I, I I like that overlap there. Is that something that has stuck? You know, that that's sort of like experiencing storytelling through dance. Now that you you sort of you know transition into acting and telling storytelling in a different way, has the basics of what you learned as a dancer sort of informed how you act, I guess is the question there. Yeah, I think a jillion billion percent. I, I think that why uh i think the thing i love about acting the most is the thing i love about dancing the most and you just like feel it like it's this thing that comes from you know your soul <laughs> and you just like it's such a vulnerable abandoned thing <laughs> um i don't know if this sounds just really dumb but yeah and and i feel that same thing with with dance and acting, which is why I want to dance in a movie. Something. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I am always happy to use any of these interviews as a way to get further work, to put it out there, put it in the <laughs> universe. Um, 
yeah, let's get you into a musical. Let's get you into one of these. Well, I've been I've been putting this out into the universe for the last twelve years <laughs> since I moved. <laughs> I was 16. I I mean, that's my biggest dream for sure. And I'm getting there. I'm talking to people about it and there's ideas circulating, but I am. But yeah, it's definitely dance. I think it's kind of personally the best way to express feeling because it's like it's something that anyone that speaks anyone that speaks any language can watch a dance and like a moving performance like that and be moved or interpret it in some way or like all people can sit there and connect movement is so powerful in that way so I think um that's got to be utilized more in storytelling and movies and tv and stuff absolutely it's one of those things that I think they're it's equally hard to explain I mean I'm full disclosure I'm not a dancer I don't know much about dancing but I I I kind of liken it to more expressionistic acting that's kind of hard to explain where it's like oh that movement is what happiness feels like it's not it's not quite like it's not realistic it's not you're not going to get it but you're like oh i can read that movement as a feeling if that makes any sense it makes so much sense because that's how i feel when i dance like with movement and, and expressing the feelings in the story through your body like doing a certain movement can like ignite a feeling in me that then expresses that feeling that then maybe someone watching would feel that or something similar. So it's like, I totally get that. And it's like, when I, um, I do a lot of <laughs> movement meditating, <laughs> like I'll just like at night, I'll write, I'll light my, my incense and my candles and I'll just play like Phoebe Bridgers or sad girl music. And I'll just dance around my house with the lights off and stuff. And I, it's, it's such a form. It's like the deepest for me form of expression. Of that, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's again, I, it's, it's hard to explain, but that's kind of you know, it's the same with acting. Like it's a lot of the stuff, especially with this podcast where I have people come on, try and act them, ask them about their process and what they think about acting. A lot of it's just like, I don't know, like I don't, I don't know what to do. And I, I love that because it's different for everybody. It's uh, yeah, it's all just a weird form, not weird, but it's, it's a form of expression that kind of is unique from person to person. And that's what I find so interesting about it. Yeah, it is interesting. And honestly, having this conversation and that that question that was so interesting to me, because I didn't I've never really thought of that answer of the first time I really felt like I was acting or whatever, mm-hmm. was actually through dance. But now I'm thinking, like, what is my process? Like, what do I do? And it is such an internal thing. It's in my body. It's listening to music. So it's that I'm sure that comes from my connection to dance and that's how I express. So then like I go back to those things that embody that for acting. So yeah, that's neat of speedo. <laughs> I love that. And I'm curious, you know, I'm curious what you, you moved to California for dance. That was the goal or that was, that was it was sort of like a hybrid. Uh, I could maybe do. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, be a Disney star. But really had no experience or like big jobs in my past. The the only acting job, acting job I ever did in Arizona before I moved to L.A. was a Sylvan Learning Center commercial. (laughs) So that's not going to get me too far in uh, this big city. But um, but yeah, I, I moved in hopes that I could learn about acting and get an agent and like strike it big and become a Disney star. But uh, but in the process in the meantime i got a dance agent because i had won this nationals dance competition in one of the 
prizes was getting signed with this big dance agent in LA. So I signed with them. And my first year from like 16 to almost 18, actually, I primarily just did dance auditions and dance jobs. And you know what? Disney Channel actually did hire me as a dancer <laughs> on a Disney Channel. You made it. You were there. Well, you know, and 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 you could see me for a second or two in that dance number I did on Shake It Up. <laughs> but um, I did a bunch of odd jobs like that as a dancer that first year. Is there a story, you know, because that's, that's sort of your arrival period, you know, you're, you're your earliest days in Hollywood, you know, doing those sort of odd jobs. Is there a story from that period that sort of encapsulates like what that time was like, you know, as someone who was just sort of trying things out? Oh, man. There's so many stories. <laughs> there's endless. I mean, there's so many stories, but the like energy was eager, desperation, throwing myself ex- at things, excitement, I'll try anything like just wide-eyed readiness. That was the energy. And because of that, you know, like I think that was necessary. Then, you know, at the beginning, like I think that eagerness is necessary because that's how you learn and then that's how you figure out the kinds of things that you want to do and the kinds of things that maybe you aren't as happy doing as you thought you would be. But, you know, because there was so much like hope and desperation, the rejection and the pain and the hardness of it all was definitely very hard that that's kind of what kept you going you know because i i you know we talk to silly people and the the thing that comes up so much is auditioning and what it's like to audition the many different feelings you go through taking it personally trying not to take it personally but that's easier said than done so through this sort of odd job period what was your relationship like to auditioning and how were you navigating it Oh, man. Uh, Well, I've never been a good auditioner, and I'm still not. I try to avoid it at this point at all costs. Like, I I really do. Um, But, you know, it's something you have to do, and you have to do a lot of. And every experience is a completely different experience. And it also, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is actually something that every actor and dancer would relate to but like it is personal because acting is personal you know you're and especially auditioning like you're they not only want to see if you can just do the scene but like you have to go in and meet them and there's this like weird pressure that comes up in someone who you know aims to please <laughs> that's like this person like I have two minutes to like show this person who I am and then I'm cool and deserving of this job and capable and all these things and that pressure is kind of fucked up um (laughs) it's just all very what's the word contrived or is that the right word actually yeah i mean i i can assume it gets a little it becomes another form of performance (laughs) like well i have to be my audition self i have to um i have to sell something that isn't my talent it's just me (laughs) like me being in a room with you it's like yeah and that's why it feels personal and i feel like i've gotten over that to a certain extent but i do feel like that kind of like plagues me a little bit even to this day like how i present like even in interviews and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like it's a weird psychological pressure that i don't know if 
it's fully that I put on myself or it is something that's like looked for or expected, especially in the early stages where no one knows who you are at all. You have no work to show. You feel like you have to like prove yourself. And it's not just with your talent or how right you are for the role. It's like you feel like you have to prove yourself, which is, you know, that fucks with you. It's a weird thing. Um, but that's why I go to therapy. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's something that we, uh, you know, we are not a medical magazine, but we do. Uh, it, it, it helps a lot of people when they when we when they ask, how can I, you know, how can I not take it personally? And it's like you should talk to somebody. You should have to get some support. Yeah, because it's like when people are just like, don't take it personal. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it only goes so far because truly acting mm-hmm. it and it's your body. It's your emotions. It's your voice. It's your ability it's your energy it's all of these things so it does feel and you have to put yourself i mean this is something actually that i've i I feel like i've gotten over or found peace a little bit more with auditioning or even if i just don't get a job that or character that if it goes to someone else or whatever like this is something i found more peace with Mm -hmm. at this point in my life so it does get better (laughs) but I feel like this energy of taking it personal that is something that I still work on has like shifted into actually the work that I do and the struggles that I experience on set, like whether it's with people I'm trying to collaborate with or just being hard on myself. Like it's this thing of how do I show up to the work that I do when I the whole the whole point of the work that I do is being vulnerable, you know, and being ready to just like give and play with my emotions disguised as this other person's emotions. Mm-hmm. It's like how do I show up to that work in that space without if there's another external problem on set like without letting it just destroy me because I'm in this extremely vulnerable exposed emotional space. So <laughs> That's something that, like, I feel like it's just shape-shifted, that taking it personal idea, like, has shape-shifted throughout my career. But it is something that I'm still trying to, like, figure out how to protect myself while also doing the thing that, like, is needed of me to act. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, without getting too deep into, the, you know, the, the the process of that, is that something that you're like, well, if I, if I ever figure that out, can I still act? Like, <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever fix that? Yeah. I'll still be able to do my job. That is literally something that I work on and the the balance of that. And I work on with my therapist, which I feel like, first of all, everyone in the world could use a therapist, but especially actors and just people in this industry and artists in general, because art is such a personal thing. And there's a lot of crazy egos and characters in this industry. So it's like having that safe space to of therapy is just really important for me. But like, Yeah, that's something that I am still trying to, I guess, find the balance of because I don't want to be a tortured artist that is just using my pain. You know, I don't want that. Like, I I kind of reject that idea and concept for myself because I would rather be stable and happy in my life, you know? So, like, you you need a certain level of, like, the op- you mean you need the full openness and vulnerability you need it a hundred percent but um I think when you show up to a set or an audition or whatever with that energy you like make yourself a sponge 
to be susceptible to all these other energies and egos and people's bad days or people projecting onto you or whatever. And it's like to become the sponge and just suck it all up. So I'm figuring out how to like show up open, but maybe just open to this one thing. Mm-hmm. And less like giving and open to all of the shit. I don't know the answers <laughs> yet. I've, you know, like gone one way, gone the other way. I've struggled with it. But um, I do think I'm understanding I think I'm understanding it from like an outside perspective a little bit more, which has given me an awareness, which is hopefully going to help me find that balance. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have you back on the podcast once you figure that out. Yeah. Uh, more years. yeah. <laughs> but I do want to talk about this sort of recent, you know, leap that was made, quote unquote, with something like 2022, The Light Lotus. If, whether you felt like that was because you, you, you did so much great work before the White Lotus, you know, there's on Pregnant, there was small roles and splits, stuff like Columbus in 2017. Um, but it feels like the White Lotus brought a, a, a larger sense of um, just recognition, you know, just sort of, I, I'm curious what, what your outs- your insider perspective has been post White Lotus, which is, it's now been a few months since the show ended. What is What has it been like? Have you seen a shift at all? First of all, I like to use the word leap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely a different you know a lot of people watch the show or watched it and um so you know i'm like walking down the street and someone's like portia you know it's a very also the characters are kind of they're just so specific they're so like recognizable as um i was actually just on hbo when i before i started watching a bug's life i was like checking all the different streamers to see if anything was speaking to me um and i was on hbo max and or HBO, whatever it's called these days. I will see when this comes out, it might be. Max, wasn't it supposed to be changing to just Max? I believe it's just Max as of today. Oh, we'll as of today? Uh, we'll see what it is when I when this podcast comes out. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll check again. I right now it's Max. It still said HBO when I was on there, but like an hour ago. But yeah, I went on there and I saw, um because the last episode I had watched on my account was episode six and there was like the screenshot or whatever picture for that episode was me was Mm -hmm. poor and i was looking at that and i like almost couldn't see myself like obviously that's me but it's like that character is so portia she's so like recognizable as portia that and just distinct and specific that it's like it is a totally different so many people watch it and these characters are so distinct so it's different but yeah it's been it's been great. Obviously, it's been great. I mean, um, I'm very thankful for it. I I do just, I don't want to be, um, there's like this twinge of like worry inside of me that's like, I don't want people to just know me as Portia from the White Lotus or the girl from, I don't want that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not mad at it either. I think that's a very natural reaction. I mean, you know, the show ends. But your career keeps going. This it's it's a, it's a it's a wonderful part of your career. But you don't want to be like, well, everything after that is Porsche. <laughs> yeah, and and also I don't want everything that I've done the last twelve years of my life and worked really mm-hmm. on all these different characters. A couple of them I'm genuinely like I love and I'm proud of. So it's like I don't want that to all be sucked into the girl from White Lotus. <laughs> but um. But I'm also 
genuinely like it has just been really cool like mm-hmm. i was at some um oscars oscar party is it the oscars or the oscar oh yeah it's the oscars it's an oscars party but you but win an oscar yeah seeing okay. the statue itself is an oscar oh i don't know because <laughs> Do there's multiple oscar yeah I believe I believe if you're talking about the show, it's the Oscars. If you're talking about the statue, it's an Oscar. So I was at an Oscars party. Yes. And the people that were like had seen White Lotus and I, you know, because normally when I'm at those parties, I'm like, oh, my God, it's for sure. And I'm just fangirling right and left. But like it was really cool because nine times out of ten, I'd be like, oh, my God, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And she'd be like, oh, my God, like I love you. You know, and I'm like, that's never happened before where people that like I really admire that are like in this industry have seen me in something before, you know? Um, so that's, that's been neato, Speedo. <laughs> well, is there, is there something to it? I mean, I, I'm very curious from an acting perspective, you created this character, obviously, you know, it's, it's a show completely written by Mike White. He has very, very singular vision of the character. And then there's the work that you put in to sort of create this character. Did you learn anything about your quote-unquote process by how strongly people reacted to the character is there anything you're like wow i guess i guess that really worked or i guess i guess that's something i should keep well you know what i think that these characters are meant to be judged and dissected and hated and related to and all of it like they're meant for all of those things at an extreme the the show is kind of an extreme but also not really an extreme and that's the problem (laughs) like with people and society but it's like so I knew going in that and also I wasn't really interested like when I uh, was auditioning I only read the first script or maybe the first two scripts and um, I was a little concerned with the only real concern I had with it because I was so you know excited and just like wanting to work with Mike and be on the second season of the show but like the only concern I felt when I got the audition scenes and then read the first two episodes was like, is she going to be like just the nice, grounded, earnest one in the season? Like, mm-hmm. that's not as fun, you know, like to just be like the earnest one or the one that's like grounded. Everybody <laughs> else is like doing all these dynamic, <laughs> awful things and you're just yeah. watching. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of fun, you know, from an actor perspective to play play a character like that in a show like this. So then when I read the rest of the episodes, I was like, oh, no, this girl is like deeply flawed, um, just in totally different ways than, you know, the wealthy people on the show. She's like deeply flawed. She's stuck in her own way. She's um, she doesn't like see that she has agency. She's pretty annoying at times. But, you know, you also me as a person and hopefully the audience also empathizes with her to a certain extent. It's like this fine balance of she is actually maybe trying her best. She's just has all of these things working against her and she's in her own way. But so I liked that as I was reading the rest of the episodes. I was like, okay, cool. There's something, there's different levels with this person. And she's not just the earnest, relatable character in the season. And then when I was talking to Mike, he was all about that, you know? So we knew that she was kind of ironically funny in this sad, annoying, stuck way. And so, yeah, I I loved all those things about her. And also, I love to look like a totally different person than myself. Like, I love 
the the makeup, the costume, the all of it affects the energy of the person I'm playing. So like figuring out what she looks like and making that reflect and being like intentional about the choices she makes of why she dresses these certain ways and where all of that comes from. And also then being in that costume and how I feel when I'm walking around or looking at myself in the mirror, that's all part of it for me. So I um, was really intentional with all of that. So kind of seeing the reaction good and bad. <laughs> yeah, it was a big spectrum, but it was like people were like affected by this character and mm. saw Portia as a very distinct human being that made them feel some type of way, you know? And I uh, I love that. I'm actually proud of it. <laughs> With some time away, I'm just, I think that what we all made together of Portia was exactly who she was supposed to be in that show. And just like a really distinct character and a time in that character's life i'm interested because you you mentioned the 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 time away because it has been a couple months at this point since white lotus ended but this is this is you know i'm interested in any character you create that sort of you look at a portion of their life how what what does that time in between do to how you feel about the character you know like like is is there does does having that space give you new ideas does it does this is there anything you're like oh i wish i had explored this i wish i explored this or is it like you said, it's kind of frozen in time in that little HBO window. It's like, oh, that is the character. That's exactly who it should have been. You know what? I often don't. The more time that's passed of something, I'm not the kind of person. I don't remember the last time I've looked back on a movie or show or something and been like, I wish I could do that again and do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. I, I think I feel that more so in the moment, like when it's actually coming out. Mm-hmm. That's when I've spent, you know, months or even sometimes years, depending on the project, from when I actually filmed it and was in it. And then when I see that for the first time, I'm like, ah, this could have been better. This I wish I'd have. ah." But then I kind of just drop it. It kind of just, you know, it's like it's a subconscious just like acceptance of that is what it is. And then if there's something that I learn from watching it and I'm like, oh, my God, I could have gone deeper with this or I could have been freer in this moment or whatever. I wish I had played with this more. Then, you know, I bring that into the next project I do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, remember, I wished I'd uh, just gone for it in that scene. So, like, I'm just going to go for it in this. So, yeah, I I think that I do feel like I look back at the more time goes away, the more I'm able to kind of look back at something with fondness. Fair. <laughs> Um, so there's like a, a handful, I would say, of projects that I've done that I just like look back with so much just love for the time I spent making it, for the person I was then, for the character we created, for all of it. Um, and that's a good feeling to like have little nice pussy places for projects that you, you know, gave a lot of your energy to. Absolutely. Another project that uh, another same year as White Lotus that I really, really, really loved was After Yang. Um, I do want to touch on that very briefly, just to sort of, you know, there was a very busy time of, of your career. You know, you're filming these these things all sort of together. What was After Yang? What was filming After Yang like? It's a very different experience from filming The White Lotus. I'm curious what that added to you, because you, you mentioned you learned something bringing to the next project. So what did you bring out of After Yang that sort of you added to your toolkit? Well, After Yang, we actually filmed like over three years ago. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was way before or the summer, I think, before the pandemic. Um, and then the pandemic, you know, wasn't that great for independent films uh, but, or, or anything really or anything <laughs> or anything really. Oh, my God. That's such a 
um, narcissistic actor. <laughs> he like oh, wasn't put for independent films. Um, oh no, but yeah, I wasn't. So that came out, you know, years later. But um, Koganada, who made that movie, and then his first movie was Columbus, that I was also in. Mm-hmm. Um, is I think honestly, I don't know. Um, maybe he's like one of my soulmates in life. I think my cat is also my soulmate. Um, you know, I think I have friends that are soulmates of mine, but like Koganata is this like creative, collaborative expander of a soulmate, I think, of mine. So being able to work with him again in that, in a totally different world and character was just really fulfilling. And being able to work with Colin, my scenes that I had with Colin, he's just the most present human being and actor it translates to him like in a scene as well he's just so present and i had never really experienced anything like that anything like that level of like presence so i think that made me a better actor working with him and like being sucked into that presence with him so that's something I'll, i've definitely hopefully brought with me how important is it to you to, you mentioned you know finding somebody, you know, whether that's Colin or it, it's who is just locked in creatively the same way as you. How, how important has it been to find people like that where you're like, wow, oh, that's finally somebody gets <laughs> how I'm approaching this. Yeah, it's the most important thing. And it's so rare. It's so rare to feel that true, like aligned collaboration. And that comes with like mutual trust, mutual respect inspiring one another and being open for that inspiration to come from another person like and some people say they're that but then I'm working with them and I'm like where is it (laughs) I don't see it Uh, but you know when it's there it's one of the best feelings in the whole entire world like I feel like I could cry (laughs) thinking of that feeling um it's just so I'm literally going to cry. It's so deeply, deeply fulfilling. Um, so it's extremely rare. Koganata for me is, um, I just would want to, anything that he ever came to me with and said, maybe you should do this. Do you want to be in this? Do you want to make this together? I would not even think for a millisecond. I would just say yes, because no matter what I would be doing with him, I know and I can trust that we would feel that together. And that's why, that's not why I started acting because I didn't know that existed, but that's why I keep acting. Oh, that. And as you sort of look ahead, what what about acting as something, you know, you like you said, you sort of transitioned to and are still sort of navigating. What are you the most curious about still when it comes to acting? What is something that sort of piques your curiosity and you haven't quite... Um, either mastered or experienced or, you know, what, what, what piques your curiosity these days? Oh my God. So much. I feel like I, the last, uh, since actually the white Lotus came out Mm -hmm. and really thinking and exploring what kind of my next thing's going to be, I'm sensing, like I'm feeling a lot of hunger and curiosity coming back up in me that I haven't really felt for years. Like maybe even since the very beginning, that like kind of eagerness. Like I feel this like eagerness that comes with curiosity and wonder and excitement and unknown that's like really fun to feel. 
So I'm just really excited because I know that there's a lot of things like obviously specific people that I would love to work with or even just like exploring comedy more, um, exploring dance in projects, just like testing myself with things that maybe seem scary or like I'm like, oh, my God, how would I do that? Or, oh, oh, that's so much or so intimidating or something like I'm just excited to keep like testing that and keep like, I don't know, leveling up. <laughs> I love that. So before we let you go, because this has all been very wonderful, and I really appreciate you being here. How well, long have we been talking? Uh, I think about 45 minutes. Wow, that went by so fast. Well, that's what I like to hear, because it comes on to like, wow, uh, bye, and then they sign off. Uh, no, this has gone by so fast. Have I been talking? Have I been blabbling way this too This has long? all been wonderful I, I i cannot i cannot tell you enough and i the, the one last thing we are going to ask you to do is we do this thing called the backstage five it's five questions that are sort of you know i say rapid fire but they're they, they usually don't come rapid fire but um five more questions and then we'll let you go does that sound okay sounds great um so question number one uh what performance should every actor see and why oh man yeah, that's the thing. I used to say, like, oh, whatever pops in your head, but they're all, like, way too deep to I know. This, it's like, I don't know. Should every actor see maybe, like, any Anthony Hopkins performance, I would say? Yeah. That guy knows what he's doing, for sure. Um, question number two. Were you ever surprised at how the audience perceived one of your characters? Yeah, Portia. I, yeah. I was not expecting the deep despise and um, annoyance and... Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's fun. <laughs> and I get it to a certain extent because I, I love her and feel protective of her in a way. But, I mean, I do get it. Question three. Um, what's one mistake you've made in your career that you promised you would never make again? Oh, God, this is not. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, don't actually have a regret that I can actively think of. I know I've made mistakes. I don't know. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I think the one that's like coming to me right now is just like putting more importance on kind of how I'm perceived on a set or trying to impress or do something for someone else as opposed to just like being grounded in myself and in the character. Yeah. That works for me. Question four, what's the one that got away in terms of roles you wanted? Oh, man. Um, well, I do actually know, you know what? There's a lot that got away. <laughs> but um, I did get the script for um, Midsummer. Midsummer. And I remember reading it. It was such a well-written, uh, creepy script. I actually still haven't seen the movie because I kind of can't bring myself to watch it because I was like, they wanted to meet me. Like, they wanted to do a meeting with me. Not just audition, a meeting. And I had actually done split I think like a year or two before and I was like I don't want to do another like disturbing movie right now I just don't have it in me like going around and like crying at these disturbing things like it wasn't something that I wanted and I felt really strongly about that so I didn't even take the meeting and you know I guess that's a pretty iconic movie isn't it <laughs> quite the alternative universe where you are in Mitsumar um, yeah but um, turned out pretty well but it's it's interesting to think about for sure yeah, no, I I do think that everything happens the way that it's supposed to. And, you know, there was a reason like I didn't like I maybe I didn't have it in me. And also Florence Pugh is such a good actor. Yeah. 
everything happens for a reason and you are where you are for whatever choices you made, whatever choices you didn't make. Um, question number five, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, man. Get a therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that um, that is good for a lot of people here, for sure. Especially in this profession. But yeah. Peace to yourself. Like, just nurture yourself. That's something that my therapist has helped me with, like, finding, like, my inner mother to nurture my inner child, you know? Like, we've got those things inside of us. So I just burped in a little bit of um, my eggs came <laughs> up. <laughs> That's perfect. He's perfect ending to an episode. Uh, I can cle- I can very confidently say we've not gotten that answer yet in the backseat. <laughs> um, so it's the first time. But seriously, seriously, thank you so much for being here. Uh, that is, I think, where we'll cut it. Exactly. This is exactly where the episode was. A little bit of eggs came up here. <laughs> yep. And then maybe I'm like, thank you so much for listening. Hey, yeah, honestly, that would be great. That would be a great segment. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next to let us know? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.